to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Masonian Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for listening as we help to tell the tales of female startups. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. I am in the studio today with Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah, I realized that your anniversary was this week. I know yours was last week. And mine was too. Did we get married on the same day or no? No, ours was September 7th. Ours was the 5th. I thought it would be so cool if we had the same initials and the same anniversary. (laughs) I think we might have talked about this sometime in the past. I was like, oh, I saw they were going on their anniversary. And then Michael and I were like, how can we do something more cool than what the Marshalls did? (laughs) And you guys went to Bend. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? you have any great food there? We did. We had really great food. We went to a restaurant. Oh, no. Now I can't think of the name. I saw Ariana's. Oh, there you go. Ariana's. It's in kind of the old town part of Bend, and it's in a big old sort of Victorian house. And they, you have to, like, get reservations, but, of course, we didn't plan ahead. Oh. And so we just showed up, and the maitre d' Rob is awesome. He snuck you in there. He squeezed us into the back patio, and we had the most delightful and delicious meal That's so ever. awesome. It yeah. looks like you had a good time, and I wanted to mention it because sometimes when people are, you know, local and traveling out of town, they want to find a good place to go, and it seemed like you really liked it. Yeah, that's the place to go if you're in Bend, for sure, or anywhere, like, within 30 miles of Bend. Cool. Mm-hmm. It looked really fun. We went to Departure. I know. Which, you stayed in the hotel. And we stayed in the hotel. The you know, staycation. we had, I think that um, sometimes it's hard for us to get away on vacations, especially this time, because we're so busy. Yeah. So we just had a one night away and stayed at the Nines and went to Departure, and it was so awesome. We and got we, spoiled by Gigi. We did, and we toured the rooftop garden, which I'd never been to before. Did you see the before. bees? We saw the bees. Oh. We saw all the things they're growing. They're growing a lot of cool stuff, like white strawberries. Are and, they growing stuff in the basement, too? Mm, I didn't get that tour. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were like growing their microgreens down yeah, in the they basement. Might be. I di- I didn't go there. We just went up to the roof. Yeah. But that that makes sense. Basements I remember seeing something. But it was super fun and really nice. And my favorite bite that we had there was this Szechuan broccoli that was so good. What? So oh, I wanted to tell people great. to go if they're in town. Make a reservation. Yeah, make also, a reservation for sure. Masoni's for sure. tried showing up there one time. No go. Didn't get it. <laughs> I'm not connected with Gigi yet. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, we always make a reservation. Yeah, Dirk won't go to. anywhere without it. He gets nervous. <clears throat> Got to plan ahead. 
All right. Well, we have some food news today for you. We actually have two things to talk about. So one thing is that it's Feast Week this week. Yay. So Sarah and I will both be um, at the Food Innovation Center booth at what this year is being called the Big Feast event at Waterfront Park. That's right. So Sarah, will you be there Saturday and Sunday all day? Or oh, gee. Do you know? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be there tomorrow, oh, cool. Saturday. Yeah, me too. And I'm kind of up in the on Sunday, we do have straightaway cocktails in the booth on oh, Sunday. Oh, I love and them. And if you haven't tried their cocktails, you should definitely go by because just one sip and you'll be feeling hip. Yeah. <laughs> Is that their tagline or no, did you I just, just make, make it up? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Their cocktails are so good. So I'll be there in the booth from 3 to 5 tomorrow. So if you're at Feast, come see Sarah and I and yeah. taste some sauce and hang out with us. And we're going to also have one of our past guests, Valerie from Firebrew, will be there when yes, I'm there too. Yes, so Come say hi. And then our other food news is for anybody that's a vendor, um, they're starting a new market at Sovie Island Farmer's Market. It's going to be at Kruger's Farm. They're looking for vendors for September 22nd. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So I'm going to be there. And if you want to join, you can just email. It's Sovie Island Farmer's Market at gmail.com. It's a very new new farmer's market. And this is going to be their first one. And then they're hoping to continue them if there's good success. But um, I think it'll be fun to be out there in the fall. Well, especially in the fall. Yeah. They have literally thousands of people come to that yeah. farm for the pumpkin patch and yeah. all that stuff. It's so great. So if you're a vendor, hit them up if you want to come join us. If you want to just come visit, the hours of the market is 10 to 4 on Sunday the 22nd. And I think they have like bins of corn and you can like dig through and pick the perfect ear of corn to take home for dinner. Yeah, I think also you can get it there slathered in butter and eat oh, it there. They cook it up there butter. for you. <laughs> <laughs> so come eat some corn with us out yeah. on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a food entrepreneur and have a press release for us to announce, submit those to startupradio.com and we will help to spread the word about anything that you have going on. And that's our food news for today. Yay. So in the studio with us today, she's sitting over here quietly, I think, <laughs> um, we have Katie from Portland Pet Food Company. Yeah, Thank you very much for having me today. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. And Sarah, do you, had, did you know Katie before today? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys know each other. This is the first time I met Katie. Yeah, Katie's cool. She loves her pets. I know. We're going to talk about everyone else's so much. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, Katie, just because sometimes our listeners follow along on social media and check you out, what's your Instagram and how do they find you? Yes, they can find us on Instagram at Portland Pet Food. Perfect. I was checking out your Instagram and I noticed that you have the most beautiful dog customers I've ever seen. It's always a lot of fun when people post pictures of their pups with the the food. It's so nice. I mean, they're like dog models. Yeah. Did you check it out? I was um, reading reviews, and some dogs take the empty bags to bed with them. (laughs) That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. They just love the food. So, Katie, tell us about Portland Pet Food. Sure. Well, we started in 2014. Um, It's really a family business. My son had just graduated from college and worked with me the first year in developing um, these products. Uh, We had a dog named Rosie. Yeah. She was 14 and a half at the time. She was a big part of your family. She was a huge part of our family. Was um, she your first dog that you ever had? No, she wasn't our first dog, but mm-hmm. she definitely was uh, was my dog. She was uh, your dog. She had attached herself to you. Very much so. She uh, got me through a lot of things um, yeah. in life. And at age 14 and a half, she just was, was not thriving. Mm-hmm. And um, she was losing weight. Oh. And... Uh, 
I decided to start cooking. I started researching. She started eating, gained weight, and lived to be 16 and a half just eating our food. Wow. That's really cool. So it came out of trying to help your dog. Were you having a hard time finding food for her, or you just had seen that it helped to make food well, for your dog? Well, standard poodles are really picky eaters to um, begin with. Yeah, and what animal isn't picky? <laughs> but these are very picky. Yeah. Uh, poodles are so picky. She used to pick out the vegetables in any of the, the kibble that we would give to her. Um, she just wouldn't eat some of the canned food. I was throwing half cans away. Yeah. So when I started cooking, she started eating vegetables for the first time in her life. And she ate all the food on her plate. And as I mentioned before, she gained weight and lived to be 16 and a half. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. I think people have that same problem with their children sometimes, too. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> they pick well, out all the vegetables and just eat the other things. I know. We might have to. <laughs> so I know you mentioned your family, and you're the founder of the company, but it's kind of a family business, right? Everybody's involved? Uh, they, are, they are all involved. Um, my daughter lives in L.A., and she does a lot of our marketing and works with me at trade shows. And our son a resident now at UCLA Harbor, but wow. he still works with us in helping develop formulas and also with some of the marketing. And then my husband um, has always supported, uh, he started doing deliveries early on when we yeah. first started, and now he's still involved with the business and helping with fundraising, etc. Tell us a little more about that husband of yours. He's a gem. <laughs> He is a good guy. Yeah. Um, we call him Hound Dog. Hound Dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our son decided to name all of us uh, Matt's underdog, Maggie's star dog, I'm top dog, and David's hound dog. And Aww. he's been a big support all yeah. along in so many ways. Yeah. He's actually in the medical field too, right? He is. He's a physician and yeah. had done a lot of work um, in nutrition for yeah. humans. So. Yeah. I remember talking with him about sodium and whether we should reduce it or not. And it was very interesting conversations. Yeah, yes. I saw that he has a lot to do with your company, but his background is in human nutrition, but it transfers over a lot to the pet food as well. Very, very much so. Yeah, Cool. That's cool. And do you make your food in a commercial kitchen? Is that right? We do make our food in a commercial kitchen. We uh, now have a co-manufacturer with our food for, for the food, but we bake all of our biscuits in a commercial kitchen just uh, in uh, Southeast Portland. Can people visit that kitchen, or is it an incognito? Oh no, they can visit. Do you sell um, treats there? We do not sell directly from the kitchen. We are in retail stores, both pet specialty and natural grocery. Speaking of stores, I noticed you're in more, definitely more than 100. Oh, yes. We are in about 800 stores 800. now. 800. Okay. Oh so the app on your website, I'm like, okay, I'm going to see how many stores there's actually. So you look at the map. It's a map of the whole United States. And there is a little flag in every single, almost every, like the whole thing is flags of where they are. So Yeah. I did the same thing. I was too? looking and it just like lights up like your yeah. pet food is everywhere. No, we've had tremendous growth in the last two years. Uh, two years ago, we were in about 75 stores. Yeah. And now we're in over 800. So there's been a lot of growth for the business. What do you attribute that to? You know, people are really looking for a pure whole food ingredients for their dogs, mm -hmm. similar to following the trends in human food. Yeah. They want to know exactly what's in there and none of those byproducts. Yeah. Exactly. Can you tell us what what makes your food different, your pet food different than what people are, were buying before? Absolutely. We use whole food ingredients. We work with a lot of local vendors in Oregon to source our, our ingredients. And most pet food is made with rendered meats. Yes. And ours are whole natural meats that you would 
buy at your own grocery store and all the ingredients in our meals or anything that you would find in your pantry. So it's not cooked and cooked and cooked and cooked over and over and kind of not really nutritious anymore. Right. Uh, Typical pet food is... um, cooked, and uh, as I mentioned before, they use rendered animals. Um, It's cooked at very high temperatures, and it destroys a lot of the nutrients. And then when they go to add back in the nutrients, a lot of it is synthetics. Yeah. I mean, if you read the label on a pet uh, food can or bag, it's like so long, and you don't even know what any of the words mean. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I always say if you if you can't pronounce it, then I probably wouldn't feed it to my dog. Yeah, plus if there's more than three syllables, I really don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That's yeah. a good rule of thumb yeah, to have when you're reading ingredients. Yeah, that's how I look at labels. I read them. I'm like, there's too many syllables here. I don't think we should eat this. I noticed that you do source from a lot of local companies that I know from the farmer's market. Can you mention some of those so that oh, we can certainly. put shouts out to those buddies? We use all Cascade Natural Meats. Um, we work with SP Provisions. We work with Carlton Farms. Oh, yeah. We, um, we do markets with Carlton Farms. They're great. Yeah, they're, they're really great. We use their nitrate-free bacon. Um, we use the pork in our pork meal as well as the bacon and those bacon bits that go into our brew biscuits. That's so cool. I wanted to talk about your brew biscuits. So they, you work with local breweries, but the biscuits don't have beer in them, right? That is correct. There is no, um, no hops in them either, um, no alcohol. And we basically go in and repurpose the spent grains. So on the brewing days, we will go into the breweries and collect the barley, the spent grains. And it's very nutritious for the dogs. And we blend that with an all-natural peanut butter, all sourced in the United States, and then either mix it with uh, beef broth, pumpkin, or the bacon. That's so cool. So it's kind of like I'm a big food waste reduction person, and I love when people find a use for something that would just be thrown away. So you really have done that with these breweries. You're working to collect something that would normally just be composted or thrown out, and you're making these beautiful dog treats with it. Yes, and from Carlton Farms, we use a lot of their ends and bits. That's so cool. And then the dog treats, that's what you're making in the kitchen, right? Yes. Yes. And then you take it back and you do it at the commercial kitchen. What made you decide to hold on to that piece rather than sourcing it out to a co-packer? Well, one of the reasons, our kitchen is also certified for human grade um, by ODA, and we wanted to work in a kitchen that we could claim that this is human grade. Oh, yeah. And the regulations and laws for rule and rules that you have to follow for pet food is very, very strict. And the only way that we could label it human grade was to have that certification oh, also. Cool. And ha- do you have like a team of people there making it with you? We now have about 13 employees. That's Whoa. amazing. That's so cool. How did you do that? Like, that's like, do you have an HR manager? Uh, we do have an HR manager now. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. And that growth really just happened in the last two years? It did. We were very small. Uh, two years ago, I convinced uh, a woman that had worked with me previously to move back to Oregon from the East Coast. Oh. And Cher joined me in the office, and it was mainly the two of us working and. I had um, old friends who had either played soccer with me or had retired from work, and they were baking in the kitchen. And we slowly had to expand because of the um, demand for our products. Yes. How did you find the co-packer that you use for your other products? I worked with Sarah. Yeah, um, that's right. I had actually visited the co-packer several years ago in 2013. And saw that they might have some extra line time to run alternative products. And so it was a good match, especially because they can run at the times when they're not running the products that they 
manufacturer for their uh, product line. And they're here in Portland or no, somewhere else? No, I'll let Katie tell you. Um, they are in <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. And so they're, they're local, and they've been very, very helpful. Um, yeah. We worked with a food scientist also from Oregon State who had just retired. Yes. And I dragged Mark Whittem out of retirement and said yeah. he needed to help me. Because um, <laughs> we first started with a fresh frozen product for the food. Uh-huh. And we, we quickly learned that it was very expensive to ship. Um, we needed freezer space. Yeah. And so I saw a pouch of... I think it was Fish People's. Yeah, um, Fish People had the, a pouch. The soup. Yeah. And I decided I wanted to put our meals into a pouch. So I worked with the Food Innovation Center, Sarah, to develop these products and Mark. Yeah. And that hadn't really been done before, right? Had you guys seen any other I mean, pet products I in that way? I think you're kind of seeing some transitions into alternative packaging in the yeah. pet industry. But I would say theirs is a very nice large footprint. Yeah, that's This really is cool. the first pouch. It's microwavable, so you can heat it up in a microwave if you lo- would like to. Um, there's no tin foil in it. It's not lined with tin foil. Oh. And it is um, very portable. It's two-year shelf life. So it's great for um, people on the go to take camping, biking, hiking. People that are cooking at home who just want a break, and you just rip it open and serve it. It's ready to eat. I was yeah. thinking when I was looking at your website that it's really nice for people that want to travel with their pets, too, because they can yeah. just keep it in their backpack if they're going hiking or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's yeah, really it would nice. fit in your purse. Yeah. That's so cool. And so you went from making this food for your dog, but then how did you take it from your home and get it out into the world? Did you go to the Food Innovation Center? I did, but I first started in farmer's markets. And we had to identify a farmer market that would take pet food. Um, So Beaverton Farmer Market, they were great. They said that we could sell both the food and the treats. And that's where we started. And we were in those markets for about two years. Are you done at the markets now? We go to a market uh, markets occasionally now. Okay. Not routinely. Not routinely. And was it hard to get into the farmer's markets? Some of them wouldn't take pet food? Correct. Oh, okay. Yes. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Even if you even use if it was local? Even though it was human grade. Huh. And even though you're using local products. We need to have a talk with them. <laughs> Let's what talk the? to the farmer's market. I think there's like some data saying that people actually spend more money on the food for their pets than they spend on themselves sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that makes absolutely sense. true. I mean, you want yeah. the best things for the things you love, for the yeah. people, for the pets, for everything. Yeah, exactly. So it makes a lot of sense. What's your favorite um, product that you've developed? Oh, I think I'd have to say it's Rosie's Beef and Rice. Uh, okay. Because Ro- <laughs> Rosie's the reason we started the company. Yeah, that's sweet. And I was wondering if you could do one thing to move your company to the next level, what would that be right now? Well, do we are some- in a big growth stage. Uh, we did plan it. We decided to um, first work within the Northwest region and moved into California Uh, We are in Wegmans on the East Coast, and we do ship to a lot of independent pet specialty stores. Mm -hmm. Um, As we grow forward, we're going to, we have the capacity to um, expand. You know, as far as the baking facility goes, we may need to look into a larger facility soon. Okay. And if you um, get bigger, do you see yourself doing all the manufacturing in Oregon, or do you think you may have to move some somewhere else? Well, I would love to keep the manufacturing in Oregon if we can. Um, we do use now a rotary molder for some of our treats, and there really is no one else available locally that has a rotary molder. And that's been our difficulty. We were we were looking at um, using a co-manufacturer. So you so, you purchased your own rotor, rotary molder? We did. So you can do different shapes and yes. everything? 
Yes. That's wonderful. And because our biscuits, particularly our grain-free biscuits, are similar to a shortbread, it's a very uh, dense dough. Mm -hmm. Uh, We couldn't use a wire cutter. Yeah, I remember we tried the wire cutter. (laughs) (laughs) We have a wire cutter at the FIC. I keep loaning it out to people, and it keeps failing. What's but, the what's the wire cutter do? Like just cuts like little it's, squares. It's this funny old aluminum cast aluminum forming machine that has a couple of barrel gears in it, and you crank the arm, and it pulls the dough down through it. And as it passes through, there's a wire that transfers back and forth oh. to cut it against a form that it has. So if you ever want to try it, just stop by. <laughs> and it really <laughs> works best with a soft dough. Yeah, maybe like a butter cookie. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. I was going to say the shapes are so great. So so these I'm looking at these gingerbread biscuits. So they they're like the cutest little tiny Maybe we gingerbread should taste men. One. Are they wheat? I know. They're wheat free, right? Well, you should at least open them and smell them. Okay. They smell Let's great. check it out and see. So that, they, so ginger's really good for people's and dogs' stomachs, I bet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they are grain and gluten-free gingerbread biscuits. Can you talk about dogs being gluten-free cuz that's something that I didn't even think about. Is that a thing people are after? People are after it. A lot of people um, are also after it if they have um, a gluten-free allergy. And they so don't want to handle gluten. something. Oh, that so. makes a lot of sense. I didn't yes. even think about they that. They don't want gluten dog breath. Yeah. And it's <laughs> also... Mainly people are more concerned... Uh, some people are concerned about the grains. So Yeah. And where the grains are, are coming from? It's... Uh, well, or their dog may have some skin allergies to grains, oh, and so we okay. offer both options. Um, yeah, that's great. I saw that you did that, but I'd never really seen that in pet food before where mm-hmm. there's, like, gluten-free options. I think so I have to try one you since need it's to gluten-free. <laughs> Got to do the crunch. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah I, is going I mean, to try. Okay, this isn't the first time I ever tasted dog food. I've worked on a lot of different pet treats. I'm sure stuff, you have. So, so Sarah's going to try the gingerbread biscuits. You're not going to try grain it, and gluten-free. I'll try it. Come I'll try on. it. Come on. I'll do it. Okay. Here we go. All right. So tell us about these gingerbread men. What's in them? What are we about to eat? These are gingerbread ladies. Are they? This yes, one they're, is. They're ladies. We call them skirts and pants. <laughs> are there pants I in love it? it. Yeah. It so smells there's, just like a gingerbread cookie. There is both shapes of ladies and menzies. Yep. Ooh. They're so cute. And I just licked one. It tastes really good. Does so it? Far. It smells really good. I mean, it's, it smells like a gingerbread cookie. So tell us what's in here. Sure. There's Bob's Red Mills flowers we use in all of our biscuits. And this is a garbanzo bean flour. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of peanut butter, molasses. Oh, my gosh. I want to eat a little these. Bit of ginger. It's really good. How do you keep the humans from eating them? I know. Well, actually, a lot of people do taste these when we're at trade shows. Oh, yeah. And um, they're really a nice locale biscuit. Yeah. So be good with cheese. Did, I like that we both bit the heads off. I think that <laughs> <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person by how they eat a gingerbread cookie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're mm. good. So, so is there actual ginger in here? There is. Oh, it's delicious. I like it. That's very cool. And I like your packaging. So you have these paper pouches, and you can see what's in there with a nice little window, which is really great, so people can see what they're getting. Did, have you changed your packaging over time? We have not. We have found that the... Plain um, craft bag 
It's mm-hmm. actually really noticeable on the shelf. I, I don't know if you have pets, but if you walk into a pet store and you see all the treats on the shelves, a lot a lot is coming at you, a lot of different colors, and this helps it really stand out when it's on the shelf. Simple. Yeah, I like it. it and it also, looks like homemade. You it's know, printed like somebody, now. Yeah, it's yes. really great. We used to hand stamp those until yeah. actually just about a year and a half ago. Mm. It's and nice to have it printed. It's very nice to have it printed now. Hmm. They're so cute. I love those. Are all of your uh, biscuits shaped in cool shapes or just the gingerbread ones? <laughs> just the gingerbread ones at the moment. And so these ones you do with that machine? We do those with the machine. The little dog bones we do with the machine. And then the brew biscuits, we um, they're in a little square shape and we cut those. They're hand cut. I'm glad that the one that I had in my hand was the gingerbread biscuits because they're so cute. I don't know if I would have been able to try it if it was a dog-shaped biscuit. <laughs> I think my brain would have just been like, no, not doing it. (laughs) Hey, what about cats? Well, we're asked that question about every fifth person that comes by our booth when (laughs) we're out. Because we have, like, literally we have two very picky cats in our household, and we are spending a lot of money to feed them. And they come up to the bowl, and they're, like, excited. But then the next morning I go to the bowl, and they haven't eaten half of the really expensive food. And we're mostly buying just tuna and aspic, so it's just straight tuna. And I'm, I don't know where else to go. Everything else I buy for them, they're just like, uh, no, thank you. Well, cats are really finicky. They give um, it the heave-ho, we call it. They'll yes. take their paws, and they'll be like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We are looking into d- developing um, a cat line. Uh, I think it's a product. good idea. So we would launch that probably in 2020, mm-hmm. and it would probably be either a full meal or an enhancer. I think it's a good idea. In fact, a lot of the grain-free diets for cats is actually making the cats sick. So I don't know what the cats need. Maybe they need grasses or greens or something in the food to help them. That was one thing that I wanted to talk about is that I feel like what you do gets people to really think about what they are feeding their pets. Mm -hmm. Because I think as an industry, like as a whole, people just don't think about it. You go and you buy dog food. And unless they have an allergy, then you start switching the food. But I think by you putting out there, we're making this food. There's nothing weird in it. This is what our pets are responding best to. It creates this whole mission that you're helping to spread the word of. I had a, a bunny and I didn't think about the bunny and what I was going to feed it. And it actually got really sick. And I was just buying bunny food. The bunny food is really bad. It's really bad. And I had no idea. I I got the food from the breeder Mm -hmm. and then they recommended this brand and I just bought it, not even thinking about it. And there was a lot of really terrible things in there. And then once we just gave it hay and then compressed hay, it was better Yeah, for a while. Well, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I don't think... um, we as consumers have really thought about the food that we've been feeding our animals. I do think there is a movement now amongst uh, millennials, particularly, that they are looking for more pure human-grade ingredients. Yeah. But we certainly, I certainly wasn't considering it um, for myself either. Yeah. Uh, but when I saw Rosie respond, I really saw what whole food ingredients could do for a dog. Yeah. And our meals are very, very high in protein. Mm. Uh, meat's the first ingredient. And as I mentioned before, these are USDA cut meats that would go into the human food chain. A lot of uh, pet food is labeled with USDA meats, but they don't distinguish that those USDA animals may have been diseased Mm -hmm. or older and are sent to the rendering plant. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot with the labeling, too, that needs to be improved within the pet food industry. I mean, if you think about eating, if you did this to yourself, opening a a box of cereal and pouring it in a bowl. 
and just eating that three meals a day with no milk. You need some variety. That would be so hard on your stomach, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah. You need all different things. I like that there's, like, everything in there, too. There's either grains or not grains, vegetables. Do you do things with fruits, too? We haven't done anything with fruits yet. We do have cranberries in our That's right, for um, the holiday. holiday meal. So what are the flavors that you have? Let's let's see. You told us your favorite one, but tell us some more about the other products. Sure. That As have. I mentioned, we had Rosie's Beef and Rice, and then we have Tuxedo's Chicken and Yams. We have Hopkins Pork and Potatoes. And then we have Grandma Ada's turkey and yams for the holidays. That's the one that the dog took the bag to bed with him. <laughs> it's pretty How funny. do you come up with the flavors? Do you just have ideas? and? Well, we really researched about the types of ingredients. These are formulated for a dog, oh, even okay. though we all use all human-grade ingredients. We mm-hmm. did formulate the recipes for, for the dogs. Um, we use eggshell for calcium. And... Um, we just came up with the names basically based upon our dogs that we've had. Oh, yeah. Mm. So and it then, stays in the family. Yes. And then Grandma Ada's obviously was not after a dog, but it's after my mother, mm-hmm. who used to feed the dog from the table. Ah. And we'd always tell her, stop feeding the dog food. Oh. Um, because at the time, we didn't realize how beneficial whole food was yeah. for the dogs. Is it true that dogs can't eat chocolate? Our Is dog, well, we had a dog for a while named Riley, and he ate a whole half-pound box of C's candy milk chocolate almonds. He never had a problem. <laughs> but you don't put any chocolate in your dog food. We do not use any chocolate. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I always hear that, and then I'm like, but there's it's around. Like, dogs get into everything. Like, if you have Christmas candy in a yeah. stocking, like, you Under always hear the tree, these horror watch stories. Out, like, yeah. <laughs> they just go for it. These would make great um, pet stocking stuffers. Like, you know, That's people a good do idea. stockings for a pet. Like, you can put little... It'd be so cute. Yeah. We are in a lot of gift shops. Um, you can find us in many stores, in, um, particularly at the airport. And so mm. people are taking them home, uh, either to their family when they're traveling home for gifts, or people that are visiting Oregon are taking these home. That's a great way to get the word out. It's been wonderful. Can you tell us about your trade show experiences? What trade shows do you typically visit? go to each year? Well, there's two major trade shows within the pet food industry. There's Global Pet that's in Orlando every year, as well as there's Super Zoo that's in Vegas. Um, So those are the two shows that we primarily go to. But we've also gone now to Fancy Foods as well as Expo West. Mm -hmm. Um, We considered going to Expo East this week, but we decided that we would focus on these four shows this year. That's cool. And so what would be some highlights about the show that you would want to tell people about? Well, be prepared because um, it's very busy. Yeah. Um, make sure that you at least have two people in the booth. Uh, it's very difficult to do it alone. Mm. Uh, we found that out early on. Uh, we now bring three people to the show. Um, I have a lot of samples to give out, and we give out a lot of our samples at the show. And do it's people like, want to taste the dog yes, food? Absolutely. Okay, great. And they do. We always have the dog food out in a bowl. Yeah. And they do taste it, um, and particularly the treats. Yeah. And they always say, as we say, they might enjoy it with a piece of cheese or something from another vendor that's across the way. Yeah, that's cool. Do you think that it does it go over better for you at the pet food shows or at the human food shows? We've had growth in both areas, but particularly in the um, natural grocery arena this the past oh. year and a half. Um, more and more uh, 
grocery stores are looking for all natural ingredients. As Sarah mentioned before, I mean, most pet food has about 50 ingredients listed on the back. Right. And 90% of it you can't pronounce. Mm -hmm. Um, Our meals and treats, um, the meals only have 11 ingredients and the treats have four to five ingredients in it. Wow, that's great. And it makes so much sense that the buyers would already be there from the natural food stores and then they'd find you and be like, oh yeah, we need this in our Mm -hmm. pet aisle. Because, I mean, most natural grocery stores have like a little pet section at least but mm-hmm. a lot of times you see it in the cold case yes you, know? you do yeah. and they they do have a smaller pet section but um they are looking for higher better quality um pet foods and that's where we fit in right away in the last uh, year and a half i have never like cut open one of those chubs of dog food but i kind of wonder about them do you have any opinion on those have you ever tried them well, I think we tried about every dog food we could with Rosie to get her to eat, and we did use chubs. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of what goes into a lot of pet food. Mm. Uh, we really are focused on these whole ingredients, and we're really yeah. the first. Um, we're really an alternative new option for consumers. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who lives out in Pennsylvania, and I spend the night at her place, and she always has a couple of dogs. And she goes to the meat market and buys the end cuts of whatever, and the actually bologna. Her dogs loved bologna. <laughs> so I think, you know, people do, they find out what their dogs want, and then they try and get it for them. Yeah, it's so great that people can go and find it. I wanted to talk about, too, that even other than doing these dog treats for everybody, if you also have pet questions, your blog has lots of cool pet tips for people. There are some good tips uh, um, on the blog. And it's just we try to you know put out something new every few, couple of weeks that yeah. people can also refer to our company for information about how to care for a pet when it's hot traveling with pets, et cetera. That's what I thought was really nice is that sometimes people's blogs kind of focus on their product or their recipe, but you're really offering this service to the community of like, here's how to take care of your pets when it's hot, or here's how to do these things. Who runs that blog for you? Do you do it? Uh, no, I have someone help me with that. That's um, so cool. Molly uh, assists with that and writes, helps write the blogs uh, with us. And um, we feel as though part of our mission is also educating the public about pet food and caring for your dogs. If I could, if I could make an all-natural low-sodium bologna, would you make a bologna chunk dog food? <laughs> I'd have to look into that, but we could do anything <laughs> together. Wouldn't that be fun? And I'd open the package, and there'd be like chunks of bologna in there with whatever. I don't know. Could that you it make has it to be low sodium? Yeah, I mean well, we, we could do. use Jacobson salt in a couple of our meals. Yeah, maybe could be onto something. Would you be able to make it shelf stable though? That well, would be the key. Well, it would go into her into process. The, into the process. Patch. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you always have great ideas. That's a funny idea. That's a good one, Sarah. I like it. And I was going to say, oh, I was talking about your pet owners. I also noticed that you do. You have a mission, which is, you know, we always like to talk about what people do that's meaningful for the community. So you give. of your profits back, right? We do. Can you tell us about that? Yes. We try to work with the local um, shelters and give back 5% of our net income to the shelters. Um, 
Typically, it is a it is a shelter, but we'll also work with like meals and wheel meals on wheels at the holidays to deliver meals oh, to, um, to people that are inbound and have pets. Oh, that's so cool! Oh, that's cool. Is that something that you started from the beginning, or did you build that into the business over time? No, we started that right from the beginning. That's that was great. one of our goals. Yeah, it's something that I always suggest to people when they're like developing their business from the start is mm-hmm. to build in a mission that you really stand behind and are excited about, because then as your business does better, you're giving back to the community and you're, you know, following your passions and you're just straight away, like doing something that makes you feel good. Right. And not a lot of people do that. They do it like later, you know, figure it out later. Yeah. yeah, They're They're feeling generous all of a sudden. Yeah. Once I have it all figured out, I'll add it in. But I think if you do it from the beginning, it's motivating you to give back to the community right away. Yeah. It's time for that question we're all waiting for. If you had your choice of a movie star or someone famous to like be your talk talk person or spokesperson, who would it be, Katie, and why? And why? Yeah. Um, well, I had the first person that came to my mind was Julia Child. Oh. And one of the reasons is is that she introduced us back to whole foods and cooking at a time when we were all eating a lot of processed foods and TV dinners, and I equate that to what we're doing now. Uh, we are introducing whole foods for pets mm-hmm. when there has been a lot of canned food, rendered meats, not very good high-quality products fed to these animals. And that's who I would choose if she was still alive. Aww. That's I so cool. Julia Child. I wonder, did she have any pets? Do you know? You know, she did. She oh. had cats. Okay. I'm sure she gave them pieces of chicken and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure she did. Yeah. I watched her when I was very young, five years old, on the local public broadcasting. Yeah, in black and white, little nine-inch screen. And I forget, you know, she used to have some, it was a quote, um, you know, about having this, you know, you can't have this fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And when you really jump into cooking, you got to kind of have this what-the-hell attitude. Yeah. And I feel like Portland Pet Food has just been really on this mission to improve the quality of dog food. That's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I feel like you're just doing something that's new and creative and you get people thinking about what they're feeding their animals. It's so wonderful. I think Katie has a lot of tenacity. She hasn't given up. She's kept moving <laughs> forward. That's what Walt Disney said you have to do. You have to just like keep moving forward even when things seem to be going wrong. You just yeah. have to keep moving forward. The food industry is very, very difficult. It's very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of large corporations that um, are not as supportive of small businesses coming forward, uh, a lot of regulations that are, are more in the favor of larger companies. Um, for instance, labeling. We have to get uh, approved in every state. And, of course, that is interpreted by every individual differently. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very difficult and time-consuming. But you just keep at it. Yeah. What about, we didn't talk to you at all about distribution. Have you picked a distributor or a couple distributors that you work with? We do. We we work with a couple pet specialty distributors. We were with Aloha for the first couple of years. They're a local, smaller distributor. Mm -hmm. Um, We just signed with Animal Supply Company this spring, Mm. and uh, they're national. And we've had a lot of growth from that. And then on the natural food side, we signed with DPI about a year and a half oh, ago. Oh, DPI is taking pet food. Yes, and now we're with UNFI That's and, K- and Kahi. Wow. 
all the big people. Yes. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that. There would be separate pet food distribution companies and then human food distribution companies. Do the pet food distribution companies treat you better than the human food distribution companies? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to comment on that. <laughs> you know, we're all we're all partners in this. Yeah, uh, you know, oh, you're very nice. One, you know, I think you have to, as a small owner of a or small business owner. You have to be willing to negotiate and not just accept what is on the contract. Ask questions. And everybody wants um, your product to be successful because then the boat rises for all parties. Yeah, that's right. So when you get that contract, don't be enamored by the contract and just sign it because you're desperate. Step back. Take a look at it and don't act in desperation. Make sure you check everything. Read between the lines and understand it. Yeah, we've had a couple of guests that have talked about that, about how they saw things written in there that they were like, this seems weird. Like, just make sure to go over your contracts really well. Make sure you know what you're signing before you do it. Do you have an attorney look over yours? That's a question we get a lot. Um, I have not to date. Um, The one thing I have relied upon other small manufacturers, food manufacturers, even outside of the pet food arena, Mm -hmm. to give advice. And Sarah's been helpful with that, too. Uh, Whoever listens to me will... Get an earful. (laughs) (laughs) But just remember to, yeah, absolutely, to ask questions. And if you don't agree with something, make sure that you bring it up. (laughs) Sarah's eating more pet treats. (laughs) It goes really good with coffee. Yeah. I didn't have breakfast. The one thing I wanted to add about um, UNFI does have this next program now for smaller manufacturers. Tell us about it. um, it's been very helpful. Uh, we've worked with uh, the next program to get launched into UNFI, and they really have helped us to go over the contract, given us advice, um, you know, try to educate us about how, how they're trying to make their profit, profit, as well as protect us and what we should be signing in these agreements. So it's, it's been really helpful. And when you have different distributors, we've only really talked to people that have had like one. We haven't had guests on that have had multiple different people. Do they not care? You don't have to have like a contract where you say you won't use another one. They're fine with it. Um, We chose not to sign any exclusives. Mm -hmm. And then we also, it's also at the store level. Um, When we went into Whole Foods, they actually recommended that we sign with DPI. Mm -hmm. Um, It's on the local level. Um, But to get into some stores in Southern California, Mm -hmm. we had to get in with UNFI. Mm -hmm. So, and you, it's very difficult because you, you have to build the stores that want you and have this pre-commit list before you can actually sign with the distributors. Yeah. Yeah. It does make it, it is difficult. And that's something to look for is that some of them do have exclusive contracts. So if you, so you have to make sure that it's not written into your contract that you only use that one company. Yeah. So strike that word exclusive. Yeah. yeah, People don't know to look for that. Hmm. That's great. And then so when your stuff is manufactured from the warehouse, does it get picked up there by the companies and then distributed? Yes. And then we also, with like New Seasons, uh, Zoo Pans, Market of Choice, uh, we're in their local programs. Hmm. So we will deliver product to Market of Choice to be distributed to all of their stores. We use Beeline for delivery nice. also. We should really have somebody from Beeline on because we have a lot of people that talk about Beeline, and I don't know if everybody knows exactly what it is. I know somebody there. Yeah, we should we should totally have someone on because they they're really great. They deliver by bicycle and they deliver locally. It's which a is great awesome. story too. Yes, 
And they can also store things for people in their warehouse. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of... And they have some kitchens there and there's places to have events. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. We are using them not only for delivery, but also storage now. Yeah, that's awesome. I've picked up things from like when I was getting cranberries from Starvation Alley. They stored their frozen cranberries here in town. And so we would come pick them up from them. So it's like, I know they do like frozen storage and cold storage, which a lot of small businesses need at first. For sure. For the record, these little uh, gingerbread cookies only have 12 calories. So if so you're, Sarah found a new snack. Well, actually, <laughs> if you're doing the fasting diets, you can have 50 calories during your fast. So that would mean you'd be able to eat several of these <laughs> in the morning. You can feed them to your pets and you can eat them. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, I was going to ask, you gave us t-shirts when you came. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. You you sell some merch on your website. Do you um, send that out yourself or do you use a company for that merchandise? No, we send that all out ourselves and we work with a local designer um, as well as we've um, partnered with Cycle Dog to make leashes and bowl travel bowls for us. But we have our logo logo on the sides. That's really cool. you, um, what's the local company that you use in case anybody's looking for somebody to do that? Uh, Mark Timby Design. Cool. Nice. And then uh, it's a rat services that I use for social media. Oh, awesome. Molly Smithen. Cool. cool. We like to send people their way if we can, if you are checking out our stuff and you're into show. it. Yeah. And then we've recently signed with a larger uh, digital company. Um, they're in Chicago, though, um, SRW. And what do they do for you? They do a lot of our digital marketing for us. Um, Helping uh, push consumers to the stores. Oh. As well as develop content. I love your video you have on your website. Oh, well, thank you. That I have to give credit to Will Cuddy in Portland, Oregon, as well as my daughter, Maggie McCarran. Um, She helped produce that video. That's great. So very um, sweet. It's very nice to have some in house talent. Yeah, it is. That's really cool. I watched your video too when you were on the news. Was it Coin Six you were on? Yes. That was such a good segment. Thank you. If you, if we have entrepreneurs that are um, going to be on the news, do you have any advice for them? Just try to be yourself. Um, don't get as nervous as I did. <laughs> I, thought, I don't think you seem nervous. I was very nervous. It's an internal nervous, I think. I think it's good to be nervous though, because it means you like care about what you're doing. You so know, you it shows like important coffee. coffee before or not. Yes, I think have a little coffee before. Um, we also be prepared to get up early. We started at 4 a.m. to do that filming and prepare yes. the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I one time did, um, it was like a news story for a, farm, a farmer's market. Yes. But they couldn't do it at the time of the farmer's market. So they had us come in and stage a fake farmer's market Holy at smokes. 3 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and so we had, there was like five of us set up. It was when we used to do the... Um, the Pioneer Square oh. market. And Do they so we, still have that? No, they it was don't too have hard. it anymore. It was too logistically hard. too yeah. hard. Yeah. But we set up this fake one at 3 a.m. And then we like left all our stuff and the market manager camped out to watch over it. And then we all came back to do the market at 10 a.m. Wow. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's a lot crazy. of work. That's dedication. <laughs> I know. Sometimes people don't know how much goes into those news segments. Yes. Staging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So be ready. If you ever commit to something, just know it might not be at the time you actually think it is. Yeah. And spend a little bit of time so 
sort of writing out or typing out a few key things that you want to talk about because yeah. you can get a little fr- flustered. But if you just sort of have that thing there, you can like look at it and go, oh, yeah, I was going to say this. Yeah. It's really helpful. Yeah. It can get a little overwhelming if you're trying to think about everything, which is what I tend to do. So I've been told really to try to focus on three key points that mm-hmm. you want to get across. Oh, that's good advice. Tell us, what are your three key points? Well, my three key points is that we make an all-natural human-grade in, um, product that's all sourced from the United States, which is actually very difficult to do for all of your ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our meals that are in a, the first portable pouch. They're shelf-stable, ready to go. Just rip it open and eat it. Yes. Do you like to try one? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for lunch. <laughs> Put it in your bag. You can microwave it. I might do it. <laughs> and what was the third thing? Well, the third thing is really that we are a sustainable company. Um, Mm -hmm. We're part of the Pet uh, Sustainability Coalition. We really try to work with local vendors to um, repurpose um, their, you know, what do you call it? uh, Food waste. Food waste. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I just kind of gone blank. Yeah. Um, So it's very important that I think that we work with uh, local companies and partner together. Have you thought about doing any with wine pumice? Well, you can't give wine grapes. Dogs are do oh, not give grapes to dogs. They don't go for no, grapes. No, oh, no, they're very okay. poisonous. Oh, oh, I didn't Ooh. know that. That's good to know. Grapes and raisins. And mm. Don't give raisins. don't give your dogs trail mix then because it's got gra- chocolate and raisins. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. bad idea. <laughs> give them these dog treats instead. Mm-hmm. The gingerbread <laughs> ones are really good. Do you have any events coming up you want to tell our listeners about? Anywhere you're going to be? Well, we will be at Whole Foods in October because they're doing a big push nationally for local um, products. Mm. And so they have a big event on October 12th. At all of the um, stores? or At all of the stores in the north. Well, all, all the, at all the stores, but we are obviously just, we're in the northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be in Seattle and in Portland doing demos at several of the stores. Uh, we'll also be participating in a Dove Lewis event um, that's uh, over at Lucky Lab. Oh. And I believe that's uh, the end of September 21st. What perhaps. is that? Uh, they have this dog Oktoberfest event. Um, oh. So you can come with your dog. There's will be a lot of different vendors. Um, and it's to raise money for Dove Lewis. That's oh. so cool. Yeah. There you, is a Lucky Lab right down the street yeah. from Dove Lewis. That's perfect. Do you have that event listed on your website in case people want to find the details? It will be listed on our website if it's not yet. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe on your Instagram. People can follow you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then they can find you at that event. It sounds really cool. Uh, Okay. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Any words of wisdom? Um, No, I think uh, starting a company, it's we're we're in the best city to start it in. Um, Very supportive environment. Mm. And um, don't forget to feed your dog Whole Foods. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, we love what you're doing. You're creating meaningful foods for our favorite pets, and it's so wonderful. And thanks for joining us in the studio today. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming in. And keep doing it. You're doing your mission is awesome, and we love it. Thank you very much. Yeah. We record Masonian Marshall inside of Ned Space. Tune in live every week, Fridays at 9 a.m., or find us on your favorite podcast platform. This is our 13th episode on Friday the 13th. Ooh, We're super cool. into it. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you would like to be a guest or submit a press release, go to startupradionetwork.com. And until next week, have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production.
Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.